Friends, the entire world is experiencing food shortages. Supply chain breakdowns continue to have a, a domino effect on everything, especially food production. When farmers can't plant crops because of fertilizer shortages, forced regulations, and high fuel prices, we're in trouble. This will cause more painful food shortages when we run out of the food we're eating right now. Food takes time to grow. I'm sure you understand that. So when farmers don't plant, we don't eat. That's why you need to prepare for an increasing number of food shortages, because we know they're coming and there's no question about it. And the best way to prepare is to get ready our emergency food from My Patriot Supply. It's a perfect hedge against skyrocketing prices and shortages. Right now, save $50 on a four-week food kit from My Patriot Supply. Go to preparewiththinkaboutit.com and get your $50 savings on four-week emergency food kits that average over 2,000 calories a day. That's preparewiththinkaboutit.com. Those who know what's coming are getting prepared now. Don't wait any longer. Prepare with thinkaboutit.com. You know, we have to get conspiratorial and we look at the Iran-Contra. The CIA was trading drugs with Nicaraguans for guns. We were giving them guns and then they were taking that cocaine and they were flying it into Mena, Arkansas, which Bill Clinton happened to be the governor of that state. And they were taking those drugs and they were putting them in Florida, they were putting in California, Freeway, Ricky Ross. So they created the crack epidemic. So the people, the same people that did that, they're creating the problems that we have today. So it's just a new drug for a new era. I mean, I grew up in a world where, and I, speaking for myself, I actually believe that conspiracy theories were the way that dumb, uninformed people explained a complex world. Yeah. You couldn't understand what was actually happening. You resorted to a conspiracy theory, and that was a mark of a low IQ. Of course. I'm here to warn people. You keep telling me to shut up. This isn't a game. Now, I always think this. The more informed, the smarter the person, the more likely they are to be connecting the dots that you're connecting. So you grew up in a world where people just like assumed that the system was not on the level, I think. Well, it's called cognitive dissonance. It's like, you know the government is, you know, has done corrupt stuff. You know there's classified levels of intelligence that you'll never be a part of, but you have cognitive dissonance thinking that the government has your back. They don't. It's a personal people control system. They want you to control us. And that's one of the biggest parts of why they want to keep you depressed. Because Tucker, when you're constantly depressed, you're in what is called fight or flight. So you, your hormone response is constant cortisol. And that's why Brian Stelter, those guys, they constantly have the ticker on CNN, how many people die, how many people die. Because people get addicted to that hormonal response. And once you're in that fear state of fight or flight, you can't see the forest for the tree right in front of your face. Yes. So then they can literally, like a dog with a treat, they can make you do whatever you want. And that treat is just more trauma, what I call trauma-based trauma -based mind, mind control, control, just more fear tactics in order to control you. So that's what's happening now is the mainstream media uses fear to control us. And that's the same mechanism that the government uses. I couldn't agree more. In, in, in recent years, too many people have switched very quickly from uh, denial to despair, from dismissing climate change or not giving it enough importance to feeling that, oh, it's too late. The end of the world or the end of civilization is coming and it's too late to do something about it. And actually, when you read the reports, different reports of experts from various fields, and you ask, what is the price tag of stopping catastrophic climate change? It's surprisingly moderate. 
uh, it's estimated by different panels and experts at about an additional 2% of global annual GDP. Uh, the the uh, gross domestic product of the, of the entire world, of the whole of humanity, if we invest an additional 2% of that every year in the right places, we can prevent catastrophic climate change. Now, 2% of global GDP is still a lot of money, but the key message is that it is a feasible political project. Politicians are actually quite good at shifting 2% of resources from here to there. When there is a war to fight, they spend much more. Um, and, uh, you know, you don't need to completely dismantle the economic system. You don't need to completely overhaul the political system. We just need to get our priorities right. We don't have a lot of time to do it. We need to do it now, but we have the resources. There is no reason to succumb to despair. Uh, people desire, I don't know, peace of mind, to, to be peaceful inside yourself. This is something almost everybody wants. So, you know, you listen to the commercials on television and you get this idea that if I want peace of mind, I need to fly to the other side of the world to some idyllic island and spend lots of money and create enormous amounts of pollution in the process in order to get peace of mind. And this is just nonsense. I mean, you don't need to change your basic desire to have peace but you can achieve it right here. You don't need to fly to the other side of the world. And similarly, people want to be loved and they want to love, but it doesn't really cost so much money. You don't need these you know, entire industries that are supposed to make you more attractive or whatever in order to have love in your life. Um, you can achieve it much more cheaply and uh, in, in a much more healthy way for you and the environment. So the basic desires of human beings, yes, it's very difficult to change them and we don't need to change them. We need to change the extremely roundabout and sometimes ridiculous way that we go about pursuing these fundamental human needs and, and human desires. And this is, again, it's, it's really about the stories that we believe and that and that we tell ourselves and um yes i mean if you go to the level of politics so for instance to be elected for office if uh guilt is not something that will get you elected if you think about the the, the rich and powerful countries which are really responsible for this crisis as a politician if you go around and basically telling people you're guilty for this, uh, it's true, but it probably won't get you elected. Uh, powerful people, they don't like guilt. Maybe just a little bit of it, but not a lot. Yeah. Um, so we have to be wise about the way that we frame this. Um, and we need to find ways, uh, again, you mentioned the, 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 the kind of imperative for economic growth. There is no necessary contradiction between a greener and clean, cleaner economy and growth. We can, to some extent, over the long run, achieve both. When we talk about investing 
in cleaner and better infrastructure, technology, and so forth. It's not like we take all this money and make a huge bonfire as a sacrifice to the spirits of, this, of the earth. No, you invest the money in new technologies, in better infrastructure, in projects, ecological projects, like the, the, the Green Wall of the Sahel. And this not only helps the environment, over the long run, it also actually creates jobs and creates economic prosperity. So this kind of binary thinking that there is a necessary clash between the economy and the environment and you have to choose, if we think like that, it's going to be very difficult. We need to find ways to, uh, uh, in a way, combine the two and have policies that, yes, in the immediate term, it will have economic difficulties. We have to be honest about it. But in the long run, it doesn't mean that we have to give up modern civilization or we have to give up modern technology. We can find ways to just do it better. They may speak the language of patriotism and nationalism, but they actually are in the service of just one person or a very small group. Whereas the best governments are those that represent the broadest uh, 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 um, number of, of, of people and variety and diversity of, of viewpoints. Uh, they're usually also more concerned about the global situation because they realize that everything is, is connected and you advance uh, one particular solution, you need to see how it impacts people in other places in their actual, uh, in their actual lives. Um, certainly, what's happening in the U.S. is not helpful because it is the, still the biggest economic and political power on Earth. And it used to be a global leader on many things, and it's now basically abdicated. It's uh, a global leadership role, and nobody's really stepping up to fill that vacuum. And um, yeah, we don't really need a single country to be the leader. Ideally, uh, many countries, many organizations on the grassroots level should each be contributing their ideas, their motivation towards a common project. But yeah, I mean, in the end, to, it, it's a global problem that can only be solved through global cooperation. And to have this kind of cooperation, you need leadership. And it's, it's very unfortunate that at the present moment, we don't have it. We don't have it even on a, on a far more immediate crisis like COVID. We haven't really seen much global leadership on that. It's going to be even much more difficult with climate change.